politicians are the virus. Yeah, man, maybe I am dumb. You think you're free? You think you're free just because you can't see the cage they keep you in? Fauci jerked off a pangolin, and now we all have COVID. It's us against them, guys. Get out there and spread that love and liberty. Let's go. Welcome to the Dad Presents, you guys, all my non-binary, genderless, woke friends. Thank you so much for joining the show. We got a great guest for you today, and we're going to get right into it. Uh, I don't want to waste any time, but first, let me just mention our sponsor, expressvpn.com slash the dad for three free months of a VPN blocker. And if you're into this show, if you are into what we are going to talk about today, Bitcoin, then you're into privacy, you're into independence, and you need a VPN blocker. So please head over to expressvpn.com slash the dad for three free months. Let's just get right into the interview, okay? Let's go. Okay, guys, today we are talking with Alex Zvetsky. He's an entrepreneur, a writer, and a researcher of economics. He founded the Amber app, which was the first micro-investing app for Bitcoin. He hosts the Wake Up podcast, which is dedicating to making sure that we don't end up in some kind of dystopian future like V for Vendetta or something like that. Uh, he recently wrote a piece entitled Slave Coin or Freedom Coin, and I found it really interesting. That's that's what turned me on to him, so I reached out. Alex, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing today? Hey, brother. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. I really appreciate it. Um, it seems that piece has uh, done the rounds, and it, it did the rounds just as I kind of decided to take a Twitter hiatus actually. Um, oh yeah. I kind of I kind of went dark across the board and I was like I'm going going away and all of a sudden I heard like Glenn Beck had read it and all this stuff. I was like, "What?" Yeah. So, yeah. A Twitter hiatus or did you get booted from Twitter? We got booted from Twitter last week. I got permabanned last year. Okay. Um, and this time I kind of yeah, I just did my own kind of Twitter hiatus. I deactivated my account for about a month and um and just popped just just turned it back on actually yesterday. Okay. Yeah. I got banned a week ago. Uh, you know, it wasn't hate speech. It wasn't like threatening someone. It was, I did the, the horrible thing of talking about uh, that COVID drug, which starts with the letter I permanent ban, permanent ban for that. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. But you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm fine with being dumped off the platform. Like I can't, I can't believe how much extra time I have. Like, I didn't know how Dude. much time I was wasting on that platform. Yeah. that's that's a that's that's been a big thing for me in the last week like um you know I, I don't know if you've got an apple phone or whatever but it tracks like your average screen time i think my average screen time was down like 80 85 percent like you don't you don't realize like you know every time you go take a shit or whatever am i allowed am i allowed to swear by you, the way you can say whatever you okay, want cool. on here, yeah. yeah you go take a shit and all of a sudden you're on your phone you know what started yep. off five minutes you're there for fucking 45 minutes yeah. you know <laughs> t- telling someone on the internet like that they're dumb i was like fuck this so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna treat twitter very differently like this little hiatus has helped me put things um into perspective once more like because i i was relatively new to twitter i only stumbled onto it in like 2018 right like mm-hmm. i was never a social media guy you know i deleted my facebook years ago i i got into facebook super late as well i think i only turned my facebook on in like 2015 or something um so i, I was never interested in that crap and you know t- twitter has been like i must give it credit where credit's due. It's been very useful for building contacts, right? Like I have sure. a lot of the stuff that I've managed to do in the last uh, three, four years has been a, has been a function of the networks that I've built on Twitter. And, um, but yeah, like you, you know, the, the shadow side of it is that you end up wasting ridiculous amounts of time yeah. with stupidity, with noise, with like, 
you know, you get stressed out about like how much of a clown world the clown world actually is. And mm-hmm. anyway, it, it feels good to have been off and now I'm going to treat it with a lot more, uh, I guess, I don't know. Respectful distance. Yeah, Yeah. caution. That's a good word. Yeah, Yeah, the guy we had on the show yesterday, uh, Clay Clark, he's doing this Reawaken America tour. And he's he's one of his messages is like, we are slowly um, um, bonding humanity with technology in a way that's starting to get scary. And when, when I take mm-hmm. a break from Twitter, I understand what he's talking about. Like your, your phone's almost always in your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you're, you're checking it. Like if there's, if there's like a pause, like just a momentary pause where I'm not doing anything, I go to the phone mm-hmm. and that's, mm-hmm. that's not really a good thing. But anyway, that's not why we had you on today. We, we want to talk to you about Bitcoin. And I wanted to talk to you about that article you wrote specifically. Yep. Um, you start off the article and you say that we're headed for a future in which we need to decide between a centrally controlled digital currency and a truly sovereign digital currency, which, which would be Bitcoin. Um, I've kind of had two red lines on this show that, that really scare me that I tell people we cannot cross. And one is government controlled speech. And now we have this new department of disinformation that, <laughs> that they just announced, which is fucking terrifying. Um, and government also now is researching their own digital con- currency that would be controlled by the Fed. So how fucked are we? Uh, th- we're not fucked from any um, thing that, like, how do I phrase this? There is a much smaller risk that a government researched and implemented digital currency will turn the world into a digital gulag than there is with uh, Ethereum. Ethereum is a million times greater risk. Okay, Cardano well. is a million times greater risk because you have... Uh, useful idiots um, building effectively um, what I like to call pen up the coin. Um, like th- they are far more competent than the government is. Like the, the 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 more functional nerds are out there trying to actually compete with the Federal Reserve and build their own money printer. Andreessen Horowitz, for the last you know fifteen years, has been funding actual tech companies and putting real skin in the game and actually taking risks. And now they've realized that they can hire some fucking coders, um, seed them with some money and basically be the entity that prints the fucking money out of thin air. That's the big game that everyone's going for. And the problem is so long as you have an issuer of money, you have a, a fundamental overlord. Mm -hmm. That's what Bitcoin exists to break, um, to, to break, you know, yeah. fundamentally. And the, the the government is too fucking incompetent to, to build anything of substance. So what True. they'll do is they'll go and they'll buddy up with consensus or whichever foundation is rolling the next shit coin um, and they'll do it together. That is, that is the attack vector. And everyone is fucking blindly walking right into it because my innovation, my transaction speed, my NFTs or whatever fucking dog shit you want to um, label it with, they fucking trade the most sovereign piece of the stack um, for a fucking gimmick or for DeFi or for trading or for yams or for yield or for whatever dumb shit that comes out of you know the shitcoin arena. They literally trade. And this is how easy it is to take the gullible fucking people and mm-hmm. Walk them into their own gulag. Yeah. Like Ethereum uh, is a fucking gulag. That's okay. So, 
So th- this show, this show, just so you know, we're, we're like a, a liberty promoting show and we're a show for parents. People, people who watch the show might not necessarily be super tech savvy with the Bitcoin and all that. So I, allow me, if you will, to like kind of dumb down Let's what do you it. said and you Let's correct me if, if I get this wrong. So, so what you're saying is Bitcoin is decentralized. Nobody controls it. Something like Ethereum, you're saying the government, if they want to put out their own digital currency, they suck too hard to be able to do it. They're going to fail, but they can fund a company like Ethereum or Cardano who is making their own centrally controlled currency because there, there are people in charge who would issue the currency, but de facto, it would be controlled by government because they are funding it. Is that yeah, or, what you're saying? Or what happens over time is that these guys become the new government. So, so imagine a world where Bill The Gates point is they're issuing issues. the money, so they have That's the control. It. That's it. That's it. And That's nobody's issuing Bitcoin. Bitcoin is decentralized in the truest form. Correct. It's programmatically issued. And, and so, so the word decentralized as well gets thrown around a lot. Like Bitcoin's decentralization is actually a means to an end. It's not the end. Everyone thinks of it as an end that's, uh, that one must pursue, but it's, it's actually the means. And the, the end that it's a means for is specifically censorship resistance. Mm-hmm. And that is a very expensive end. Like for Bitcoin to be censorship resistant, it needs to consume ridiculous amounts of energy and yada, yada, yada. None of these other things are censorship resistant because the cost associated with changing stuff is is not high. You know, you, you have points of influence. Like if you want to change something in Ethereum, you go buddy up with Vitalik or Joe Lubin and you change it. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, like you can't do that with Bitcoin. There's no there's no head of the snake to, to point at. There's no single group to, to go and coerce and to adjust. Like Bitcoin is such a... Um, I don't know, like such a social clusterfuck from a, from a standpoint of like coordination and consensus that nobody can change shit ever. Like maybe five, six, seven years ago, even five, five years ago, you couldn't like you, you saw all the biggest companies on the planet, uh, BitGo, Coinbase, every single one of them teamed up and tried to turn Bitcoin into Bitcoin S2X and they failed. <laughs> Like even then they couldn't because all the hardcore small Bitcoiners, the ones that are meaningless doing nothing, apparently were running our own nodes and we just rejected their blocks. We rejected their blocks. So for something put billions into it. So for something to change in Bitcoin, it needs an overall consensus of all the people running the platform. You need multiple layers of consensus. You need the miners, you need the node operators, you need the, the, the exchanges, you need the wallet providers, you need all sorts of things. It's so widely spread that you, you just can't. And what ends up happening is you fork off and you end up having your own version, which is what happened with Roger Ver, right? Roger Ver wanted to bend Bitcoin to his will. He wanted to be the Bitcoin Jesus. You know, his ego got a, you know, ahead of him and he, he forked himself off. And, you know, now what, what is it? into oblivion no one cares about bitcoin cash it's you know it's pointless so so that that's the that therein lies the strength of bitcoin is that it's it's unchangeable very similar to for for millennia people have been trying to change substances into gold if you could do that you'd undermine the value proposition of gold which is it's scarce so so that that's bitcoin's value that's actually happening in the the diamond industry now they're making dime fake diamonds that are so good like even professional jewelers can't tell the difference and it's undermining the value of diamonds. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and um, it's the same principle. So, so it's, it's super important. Like what ends up happening is like 
people get lost in this idea that Bitcoin is just the technology. So if you can replicate some of its architecture, you can make it better. And that's not what money is. Like money is built on foundational principles that are immutable. And they're the things you can't, you can't just technologically adjust those um, and then slap a bunch of marketing around it, put a committee in and run it. That's literally what Ethereum is just digital. It's Federal Reserve 2.0. It's just a new Mm -hmm. group. Um, just a different of group of people, yeah. Doing it. Okay, so we you mentioned uh, Ethereum. You also mentioned Cardano. So, so I'm glad I'm having you on because we had uh, Charles Hoskinson on a couple months ago, and in researching him, I saw his connections with the World Economic Forum. And as we discussed on the show yesterday, the World Economic Forum is is terrifying. And I saw his speech, and it was it was a little creepy. But then he got on this show talking about Cardano, and I don't know if he researched our show or what, but his whole pitch was freedom, liberty, liberty, freedom, 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 freedom. And he sold me on the idea. Like he, he's smart enough to convince me that what he's doing is a pathway to financial liberty. Now, is he selling me a bill of goods? Is he a useful idiot? Is, is he, um, under some illusion on his own? Uh, what's, what's the deal there? In your estimation, blend. it's probably a blend. So when I'm when I'm selling you Bitcoin, I've got nothing to gain. When he's selling you Cardano, he's printing money out of thin air and dumping it on you. So he's going to tell you whatever you need to know. You know, he's he's one of the like b- behind Vitalik. Uh, he's one of the greatest actors on the planet. Like the guy's no older than me, and he looks twenty years older than me. Like it's all part of an act, <laughs> part of a facade. Um, seriously, he's, that, that he, part's true. Yeah, yeah. 34, yeah. 35. Um, you know, he, he, he puts on that whole look and th- there was a big rift in the Ethereum days because he started off in Ethereum yes. um, and he wanted to do things his way. Um, and, you know, they, I guess Ethereum already installed Vitalik as Wonderboy, so they couldn't have two Wonderboys. Sure. So he went off and did his own thing, rolled his own shitcoin, and made a billion dollars producing nothing of value, nothing of substance for the world mm-hmm. other than an attempt to you know, create a network. Like you look at what he tried to do in Ethiopia. I don't know if you've done any reading on that, No. but he, he wants to, <laughs> it's wild. There's a clip on YouTube somewhere. Um, if you type in like uh, Charles Hoskinson, Ethiopia, blah, blah, blah. And you see him talking about how, what we need to introduce to, to, to help, you know, the people in Africa is we need a digital ID system that is on a blockchain that is immutable so that we can track what everybody does. So that way, you know, we can build this utopia. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that's how deranged that's, these people are. That's World um, Economic Forum stuff. That's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that, okay. that's the, they fit that mold so perfectly. All the shit coiners, like whether it's Vitalik who thinks that synthetic wombs are a good idea to this idiot who thinks that, you know, everyone should be, you know, barcoded to the morons who created that world coin, you know, backed by the Silicon Valley guys, like world coin was this thing where, you know, they were going to airdrop the coins to everyone in the world. And to get your airdrop, you had to scan your fucking eye. <laughs> like, and, you know, Sam Altman and all the Silicon Valley guys, you know, back that. And, you know, a bunch of Bitcoiners went and did a bunch of digging and they were like, okay, so 80% is going to get distributed to the world as a fair distribution for, you know, scanning your fucking iris. Um, but, the other 20% is going to be distributed amongst the founders. <laughs> it's like they own right. 20% of the global money amongst like 20 of them. Yeah. It's like, it's so blatantly like obvious yeah. once you just dig a few layers deep, but this is the thing. They, they wrap it in some marketing, they wrap it in tech and people get lost in it and they go in and they walk into their own gulag space. And also it's, it's, um it's complex stuff. And most people 
I'm older. I'm, I'm over 40. Most people my age and older, unless, and I've done a lot of reading on this stuff. Like I'm into it. I've been invested in Bitcoin since 2014. I'm into it. It's confusing. It's hard. It's hard to navigate. It's a hard world to navigate for most people. And most people don't have the kind of time that a guy like me has. They definitely aren't into it like a guy like you. So it's easy. It's easy to be swindled. Now I want to, I want to just step back a little bit in the art, in, in your article and um, get out of the weeds a little bit so much on the digital currency. You, you said something else in the article that really caught me. You said that the West used to be pioneers, which is true. That's why, this, mm-hmm. that's why America is so great is because you got people who, who are willing, they're risk takers, they're individuals, they're, they're willing to go for something and possibly lose, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the idea of rising up from nothing, going out, creating something brand new is the American dream. And it's been, it, it's been feeling like that dream has been dying since like the eighties. And at this point it feels practically dead. Uh, would you agree with that and why, and can we turn it around? Um, the it's, it's largely dead, um, in America. And I actually wrote, uh, an article about this, um, saying, you know, rest in peace, uh, America, the American dream, um, mm-hmm. In I wrote this in 2020 actually, um, and what what I kind of outlined was the 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 start of the death of the American dream was when Lincoln um, forced the states to unite um, and kind of removed the ability for a state to secede. So for for a, for a for a world to be functional, for any territory to be functional, um, it needs to be small enough to contain its own type of culture, um, and when the, the, the larger the territory, um, the more there is a necessity to enforce conformity of some sort so that you can direct culture and you can direct decision-making and do all that sort of stuff. Now, so, so contrast basically one United States with 350 million people versus mm-hmm. 50 states, each with their own flavor and their own culture. Yes. What you end up getting is like, classic free market capitalism, which is, you know, the best culture, the best operation, the best modality, the best belief systems, the best, um, you know, uh, means of cooperation wins. And and Lincoln kind of put that first nail in the coffin. The second big nail in the coffin was the advent of the federal reserve. Wait, wait, wait. When you say Lincoln, what, what did Lincoln do to put that first nail in the coffin? He, he turned the United States into the United States and he removed the capacity for states to secede because of the civil war. Is that what you mean? Yeah. You know, like the, you know, the, the Southerners didn't want to be a part of it. They're like, fucking stay out of our business. We're going to do shit our way. He's like, no, we're all going to be one. Um, And you know, that, that basically. That's an interesting take because most people would agree that the civil war was a good thing because we got rid of slavery. Um, but uh, then others argue that that's not even necessarily what the war was about. But what totally you're saying not. is that it, whether it was good or bad, it created conformity in this country and conformity leads to bad things. And that I would agree with. Yeah. The, the, the biggest problem with America is the federal government, the federal government. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, like, and, and that is what ended up creating the Leviathan that is the federal government. Um, you know, largely speaking, that's when the federal government really started to like that. That was when the baby, when the monster was still a small baby, but that was like the defining moment when, you know, the federal government had precedence sure. um, and it started to grow. So, you know, the next one was, uh, like I said, the 
the Federal Reserve, then Woodrow yes. Wilson, you know, turning right. America into an empire. And, you know, then 1971 was probably the, the next yep. big one, which is we went off the gold standard. And here we are, America's in kind of the death throes. Now, yes. does the American dream still live on? And I would argue that um, it's funny, I was having a chat with a um, with a large scale Bitcoin investor today, and he uh, dropped this idea. He called it um, Satorica. And he said, like, the American dream lives on in this cyber territory that is Bitcoin. Um, and d- don't think of it as the fucking metaverse. Think of it as like Bitcoin itself is scarce territory that represents a, you know, the, 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 the last bastion of freedom that anybody anywhere who is freedom oriented, because that's what brings people together. It's not um, just, uh, you know, the location that we're in, but it's uh, the values that we share that brings people together. You know, people always say that, oh, like-minded people should come together. I actually disagree. I think different minded people should come together who are like valued. It's a a small distinction, but it's very, very important. Mm -hmm. And and that's what made America great in the first place, where you had this, this, this frontiers, this frontiersman sort of set of values that built America and they came together and they transformed and turned this land into the greatest economic social power in the history of mankind. Um, but those values have slowly been eroded by forcing everybody to conform under a set of values that are passed down by decree by some, you know, moronic federal government funded by some moronic central bank known as the Federal Reserve. So, so you've got all these cancers in there. But Bitcoin represents this place where we can go, we can move our wealth. Um, yes, it's not physical and tangible, but we can use that protection of wealth to create physical, tangible locations amongst other like valued individuals. And we can move out from under this, um, this kind of regime of stupidity. Yeah. Um, it's our differences and, um, our, our competitive nature that has made this country great. We're, we're, we're all different and we're all competing and the best ideas win out. And now we have this atmosphere where if you don't conform to the corporate narrative, you are vilified and that's dangerous for society. Now, the way that you, you describe Bitcoin, sorry about that. Um, the way you de- you describe Bitcoin, Bitcoin almost sounds like the only real democracy where it can't be changed unless everybody agrees that it has to be changed, or at least a, a vast majority of people. Whereas everything else, Ethereum, Cardano, all the others, they are they're they're fascism. They're central controlled. They are central control over the rest of us. We have rulers. We have people lording over us. Um, now, when I was a kid. When I was a kid fitting in to me personally, it, it seemed gross. I never liked it. I thought it was like a gross thing, but I was a weird kid. Most kids back then, most kids now, they want to fit in. So we're talking about conformity. Um, the difference, I think, between now and then is that back then, there used to be some kind of admiration for you know rugged individualism. That, got, that kind of person used to be looked up to, whereas now that kind of person is uh, shunned and looked on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a villain. Um, I would argue that what is, because what they will say is um, the greater good. We have to do whatever is best for the greater good. And I kind of come from the school of thought that whatever is best for the individual ends up being best for the greater good. What what is your feeling on the, the greater good versus the individual? 
couple couple threads to pull on there. Um, number one, great, greater good is hard because um, greater good can only be defined insofar as uh, it applies to a set of values. Now, if every single human on earth was of the same values and we're all automatons and we're all fucking clones, then we could sit here and argue about what the greater good is for all of us. The problem is we're all different. My good is different to your good, different to someone else's good, and different cultures have different goods and all this sort of stuff. So, so there is no such thing as the greater good. First of all, it's just like a, it's a fallacy. So individual good uh, is, is what matters. But then there is like individual good of, you know, the, the intersubjective relationship between people as well. So I might think that it's good for me to go and steal your shit, but... Um, if I start doing that all of the time, then what will happen in a society is like I'll be ostracized. And so I need to play a, a, a game theoretically sound version of a greater good, which means I need to choose between cooperating with you or stealing from you. So, so I always say like the, the two big decisions and in the me and Mark Moss just published a book called uh, The Uncommunist Manifesto, and it's like a fuck you to Marx, and it kind of takes their philosophies, turns them on their head, and talks about like what actually makes um, a functional world come together. And we say that the real struggle in society is not the struggle between you know the working class and the business class, like you know the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, as Marx the Marxists would have, but the real struggle is between uh, choosing to cooperate or to plunder or to coerce uh, in terms of moving forward in life, because that's, we all have to survive in some way, shape or form. And the option that we have is to take from someone or to collaborate and produce with someone. So tying this back to uh, what Bitcoin represents is that have you, have you read any like Rothbard or Mises or any sure. economics or anything? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. So, so everything kind of boils down to private property rights, right? Like when private yes. property rights are not only respected but enforced, what ends up happening is people's um, incentive is to cooperate instead of to coerce. Um, you know, he in that book exactly in The Anatomy of the State, he quotes Franz Oppenheimer's, um, you know, the, the duality of options. So what Bitcoin does is it actually, because Bitcoin is like, it is property in the form of money, whose protection or whose property right is protected by math, not by the decree of a state, you actually have perfect money that is perfectly uh, bound through mathematics as the, as the protector of the property right itself. That creates such a change in the, in the calculus that people must make when it comes to how to interact with other people. They are actually forced over time to cooperate because that's the best game in town. Mm-hmm. It's too hard to fucking steal someone's Bitcoin yes. because you can memorize the shit. And, and that is a what's called a, a mega political shift that is unprecedented. Um, what's his name? Uh, Frederick Bastiat. And he wrote the book, The Law in 1850. Right. And he talks in there. He says, until the um, the incentives to uh, produce are greater than the incentives to plunder people will always choose plunder as a means to uh, achieve riches. And, you know, Bitcoin just kind of shifts that. And that, that's one of the things that we're underestimating over the next 10, 20, 100, 200 years, the way Bitcoin shifts the tilt towards which um, the world kind of leans 
is is massive and and that was the original founding principles of america was private property rights mm-hmm. were like were 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 sacred they were central to to everything in australia and america fundamentally had the strongest private property rights on the planet that's what made it prosperous um and that's where everything stems from and, and that's why i think bitcoin is fundamentally like the new america it's where the american dream continues to reside the american dream is not dead it resides in bitcoin and Bit- the bitcoin white paper is the new constitution but this constitution can't be fucking changed by anyone yes yes um so right now where you're talking about this principle of taking money versus earning money with current you know fiat currency given uh given out by the government or created by the federal reserve corporations with power can use their money to lobby government to help them steal more money from the rest of us and with bitcoin what you're saying is they can't do that they can't do that they have to convince us to give them their money by providing a better product or whatnot because we're in control of the money and the federal reserve has no power over it and that that's that's a really beautiful thing um now the reason a lot of people let, let me let me throw this theory by you people a lot of people feel that government is or a strong federal government is necessary to make things even and fair in society. A lot of people believe in fairness. Uh, they think that unless everybody has the same, that it's an unfair world and we're being unethical. And I think this might have started, I don't know, like in the eighties, when I was a kid, they started giving out these participation trophies, right? Participate participation trophies. You go to little league, everybody gets a trophy before that. It was like you had to compete and you had to win. And it seems like a little thing, but I feel like we raised a couple generations now where people feel they deserve something. If they don't get it, it's not fair. So they need daddy government to give it to them. Do you think there's anything to that mindset? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I call it the, the participation, the participation award, um, generation is like you know they're, okay they're soft, so you have a name for it yeah, yeah. totally it's like you know the, i i will just pull a thread there just just to make clear a bit of nuance rarely do you hear people talk about the fairness component they talk about equality and and so hear me out on this fairness and equality uh two opposite ends of the spectrum we actually want fairness but what the government and everyone like that tries to promote is this idea of equality for you to have an equal outcome. There has to be unfair rules. If you have a fair set of rules, you have unequal outcomes. So look at a game of basketball is like the easiest thing. Um, The rules are fair. They're the same for fucking everyone. Mm -hmm. But what do you get? You get an unequal outcome. You have unequal players with different um, characteristics and different skill sets, et cetera. You know, like uh, a Stephen Curry is different to, you know, a LeBron James. it is an it is a unequal game, but is perfectly fair, and and that's what we as human beings desire. We actually desire to play fair games, and we don't necessarily care if the results are unequal because we know that someone's either faster than us, smarter than us, a better programmer, a better painter, a better this, a better that, and people don't really worry about that. What happens is that when the game is actually rigged, like imagine playing a game of Monopoly. And one of the players just has his hand in like the till, right? And he just keeps pulling money out. Like he's going to win the game no matter what sure. you do, no matter how good you are at Monopoly, he's going to win. So what, do, what happens to your strategy in the game of Monopoly? Instead of playing to win, what you do is you play to become friends with the person who's got his hand in the till. 
and so that you can get a bit of a handout so that you too can survive and you can gang up on everyone else and steal their money. Yeah. So well, you're exactly not, you're, what, you're describing big corporate, big corporations and big government. That's, that's what that, that is. It's exactly yeah. that game. So when the game is rigged, what ends up happening is like, not, not only do you erode the, the fairness component, but then you actually even like you further distort the, the equality distribution. You end up with 99 to one, like, You've probably heard of the 80-20 rule, right? The Pareto principle. Like every everything in the universe, everything in life, everything in biology, everything has an 80-20 distribution. And that's perfectly natural. You know, we're never all going to be equal. You know, we're never all going to be, you know, the same talent, the same this, the same that. And we don't actually want that. We're all strong and weak in different dimensions. And that that true diversity, not diversity in the fucking woke sense, but actual diversity in ability, capability, and skill, in viewpoint, in values, and thinking, and all that sort of shit means that we have a multidimensional world and that we all have the opportunity to excel at something. And that's perfectly fucking fair, um, but it's also perfectly unequal. Um, and the distribution will generally naturally go towards like an 80-20 split, you know, 80% of people will have 20% of the money, 20% of people will have 80%, et cetera, because that's just how you know, we, we naturally kind of congregate. What happens is when you start fucking with the rules and you try to unnaturally equalize everyone, what you end up creating is what the commies did, which is a 99.9% to 0.1% split, which is completely unnaturally equal. Nothing like that exists in nature, except in the stupid world that we live in, which is, you know, the central bankers and the government, which is the 0.1% own and control everything. They have all the rights. They have, you know, they can decree whatever the hell they want. And the rest of us idiots, we pay for it. Mm -hmm. Well, what actually one area in the animal kingdom where it seems you do have that is like in bees where they're all the same, but what you have is you have all of them serving one queen, right? That's what you get when every, when everybody's equal and then you have one ruler, you have everybody serving that one ruler. Now you have you, insects. Yes, yes. We're not insects. We're right. fucking humans. Yes. Yeah. You use the word. Okay. So you're, you're using fairness. I was using it as we all get the same. What you're saying is fairness is uh, rules that are fair so that we all have a shot and equality would be everybody getting the same. I, I've, I've understood, um, equality and fairness to kind of be the same thing being uh fair rules uh equal rules and equity is the new term they're using to where everybody gets the same is there a differentiation between equity and equality yeah i I lump equality and equity in the same place um because you know like you know equality the, the very the very nature of the term is you know a equals b um and you know it's it's an equalization of both and we, we don't want that. We don't want things to equal each other. What we want is the the mechanism we use to measure things. That needs to be fair. So that needs to be fixed. And then all of the stuff in between has to be unequal. Okay. Be variable. Okay. Um, I, I agree with most of the things you're saying. I, I want to ask something. That's that's uh, semantics, by the way. I think you, yeah, you that and is I semantics, basically yeah. agree Doesn't on matter. that, but it's semantics. We, yeah. Yeah. Semantics. Um, Something I want to ask about Bitcoin because we we keep talking about Bitcoin as being uh, decentralized and uh, nobody can control it, nobody can uh, convert the code. And what I want to ask because I don't know, like I hear that and I believe that because people who know what they're talking about say that. But how positive are we that there's not some like puppet master behind it all? Like maybe Satoshi Nakamoto isn't I don't know fucking 
Hunter Biden or something? Like, how do we actually mm-hmm. know this for sure? So the beauty of Bitcoin, and this is what Bitcoin has that other networks don't share, is that you can download a copy of the Bitcoin blockchain um, and you can run, like you run Bitcoin, I run Bitcoin. And because we're running the exact same version- When you say that, what do you mean? We run Bitcoin, how? So so Bitcoin is just a program with a set of rules. um, And- what it does is it like its rules are things like, you know, there's a new block every 10 minutes, there's, yes. you know, a fixed supply, blah, 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 right? And that program just runs on a local computer, for example. And when I connect it to the internet and I broadcast um, the, the program that I'm running, other programs out there in the world that are running the exact same version talk to each other and that starts to form the Bitcoin network. So I can tell Bitcoin is Bitcoin because I'm running the copy of Bitcoin, which has the rules clearly outlined. um, And I am in consensus with everybody else that's uh, running the network. And this is what makes it, this is the part that people um, generally don't understand about Bitcoin is that I can, if I want to, like if I'm Hunter Biden, for example, I can run a version of Bitcoin um, and then I can go and make a change in the code. I can say, all right, well, these motherfuckers are never going to know. I'm going to swap it from 21 million Bitcoin to 42 million Bitcoin. But then all of a sudden, I'm out of sync with the rest of the networks. So I've actually just booted myself off and I've got my own Bitcoin network, which is, you know, Bitcoin Hunter Biden's version or whatever. And I'm out of sync with everyone else. So all of a sudden, all of like all of my economic mass is just me, myself and I and nobody else. Okay, so, so let's, let's let's roll with that to take that a bit further. So 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 Hunter Biden, right, he gets in there, he doubles the supply of Bitcoin in the code. Does that does everyone see that and then they vote on it, or does it just kick him out for doing something that is not in the program already? Our network just doesn't kick him out. Our nodes are just incompatible. So all of a sudden, so it breaks it. Yeah, every 10 minutes that the nodes are syncing, mm-hmm. it's just like it, he's out of sync. So he's it's on gone. his own network now. So he okay. actually, so it's not the network even kicking him out. He kicks himself out. Got it. So he so, can so, do it, but it's a new thing. It's a yeah. new thing now and it has no value because no one else is communicating with that. No that's one it. will validate it. That's it. That's what makes Bitcoin so powerful. And that's that's like the light bulb moment for people like, holy shit, like Bitcoin's security comes in the form of complete openness. So so traditionally, when people think about security, when they think about, you know, like Microsoft securing their servers and shit, they think about like this closed system where no one can get in, right? Bitcoin inverts this whole thinking on its head. It's like, hey, Bitcoin's completely open and anyone come and change it, come and change it, do whatever you want. But as soon as you change something, you're off on your own version of Bitcoin. And it's completely out of sync. So that's kind of what like, uh, there's been a couple hard forks, you would say in Bitcoin. And that's been people changing it and they have enough people who are down with it that they change with them, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't change the original Bitcoin. The original Bitcoin continues on. So I remember one time I woke up and I had, uh, this is, I don't know, like 2016, I had Bitcoin, but now I also had this other Bitcoin, some maybe it's Bitcoin silver. I don't remember what it was. or some shit. Yeah. So they just, yeah. Yeah, they duplicated the Bitcoin network. So whatever mm-hmm. I had in Bitcoin, I now had in this new thing. Yes. For yes. a little while, it had value. I sold it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I bought more Bitcoin. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So, so they can do that. If they have totally. enough people, I could do that. If I got you to agree with me and my wife and my family members, mm-hmm. we could have mm-hmm. our own mm-hmm. fork. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Very interesting. So let me, let me challenge then this idea of, um, individualism and, and why we need to stay away from these centrally controlled currencies. So we've already agreed that what is good for the individual, um, the individual should pursue. Isn't there, let's say Cardano is the devil or Ethereum is the devil. There are short-term gains to be made there for me and, and everyone. Is it, is it bad to stay away from that? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't I try to maximize my value in the world right now? That's a nuanced, you know, argument. Like, you know, I, and I used to take that side when I used to try to trade shit coins and this and that, but what, what I came to the realization of was, Hey, there, there's more, um, like for, I'll, I'll answer it this way. I could also make money buying um moderna stock and like you know vaccine companies and i could back bill gates i could join a you know a fund with bill gates and blackrock and all that sort of stuff but there's like a you know a moral compass that i have internally for me of what what things that i want to apply my liquidity to and this is the moral conundrum that everyone's faced with at any particular point in time is like you know Yes, you might make money in the short term. And to be honest, very few people actually make money because they think they make money in dollar terms. Um, But at the end of the day, in in Bitcoin terms, they may not have got ahead. And particularly by the time they pay the taxes on everything that they've traded, um, they're actually got less Bitcoin than they would have had if they just bought some Bitcoin and shut the fuck up. So like, generally speaking, very, 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 very few people outperform just Bitcoin alone, um, let alone you know, like you would actually have to double Bitcoin's natural performance for you to break even after you pay taxes, right? So, True. you know, yeah. so, so, so number one, it's like you, it's just easier to buy and hold Bitcoin, number one. Number two, it feels better. Number three, instead of getting sucked into this, um, this racket of like needing to, you know, trade and out compete and all this sort of stuff, like there is, a multitude of other things people can do that are better for them. Like they can learn how to, you know, farm, they can learn how to grow their own food. They can, you know, learn fucking some self-defense. They can build a useful business. They can construct something like there's so many things that they could be doing to prepare themselves for the shit show that's fucking about to come at us instead of sitting there wasting their lives away, trading shit coins and watching fucking Pornhub or whatever they else do. Like, like there's more meaningful things to do with their lives. And I I would simply just say to people like, look, sure, you can trade shit coins, you can try stack, you know, more Bitcoin, and you can deal with all the, um, you know, the taxes and all the implications and all the noise and all the time and all the shit that you spend on that. Or you can educate people. You can do something useful. You can build a business. You can you can practice something. You can build a meaningful skill. You can write a fucking book. I don't know. Like there's a whole swathe of things that people can do that I think are more meaningful. And you know, like. The, the the simplicity, like I've managed to simplify my life now down to really two things or three things. You know, I've got my my woman, I've got Bitcoin as my savings, and then whatever work I do, I just get paid in Bitcoin. Um, and that's it. And and I, you know, I live sensibly. Um, I don't spend and fucking live the high life, you know. And then all of my excess capital, like everything that I save, it's all in Bitcoin. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about you know, what trade I put on. I don't have to think about what the banks are going to do. I don't have to think of shit. I just got it in Bitcoin. That's it. I'm happy. 
it's okay. such a liberating feeling. Yeah. So your so your your argument is that it may uh, it's tempting, but it actually isn't what is best for the individual because of all the the wasted opportunity and wasted time. Um, and actually financially it might not work out anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, I mean, you can also layer the higher moral things, which is you're adding liquidity to scammers. You know, you're supporting the, all the people that you are quote unquote against, but then you're giving them liquidity. Like, you know, if more freedom oriented people realize this, they would pull their liquidity out of that and they just store it in Bitcoin. Like the more liquidity, and, and this is another thing. It's like, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, add your voice, you know, for, for things like you, you do this podcast because you want to add your voice to the um to the global collective consciousness of we need to move away from you know the WEF and you know global communism and you know one world government etc like moving your economic um density or your, your economic mass onto bitcoin is actually a much more powerful version of sure. putting your voice into that and and that sure. like it yes okay so many boxes yeah you're absolutely right um and and on that point, you know, you're, you're taking power away from the government in that totally. when when you when you get out of fiat and you get into Bitcoin or you get out of these other shit coins and get into to Bitcoin, you're taking power back onto totally. yourself. So inevitably, government is going to come for Bitcoin. Uh, they're going to call it racist. They're going to they're going to call it everything. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna try to outlaw it. I mean, I think it's inevitable. They're gonna make it illegal. So then, what happens to your value when you're in Bitcoin and the federal government says, uh, "Sorry, that's a a felony." Um, so the the beautiful thing is, it's um, th th this is again comes back to what people should be doing with their time now. Like, if you're intelligent, um, instead of screw around trading what you should be doing is you should be coin joining your bitcoin you should be mixing with other people you should then be putting your bitcoin into you know cold storage schemas which are disassociated with your identity um so that way the bitcoin is are no they though are they you. really like when you say cold storage you mean like a, a hard external wallet yeah you first you coin join it have you heard of like wasabi or samurai no Okay, so yes, yeah, see, th th these are the things that people need to be doing their research on. So, w Wasabi uses um, a uh, what's called um, join market, which is a it, it's a mechanism which basically takes Bitcoin UTXOs, mixes them together, and spits them out the other end, and it disjoints um, ownership from one end to the other. So it's basically laundering oh, Bitcoin. Okay. People do like people who know what they're doing with Bitcoin and Write who are vocal. Mm -hmm. um, they regularly coin join their Bitcoin, and it dissociates them from their identity. And that is another big fuck you. And then to you send it to all this sort of stuff. So then, then you, you send, send it to your cold, cold wallet. So yeah. then, so it's a felony, but it's they can't trace. I it. lost my Bitcoin. Oops. Yeah. Okay. You know, this is why on Twitter, you know, we've got this whole meme of Bitcoiners who lost our Bitcoin in a boating accident, right? Uh, it's okay. that's like so. So all of these memes actually mean something. But this is like this is the preparation that needs to be happening. Now. Another bit of preparation is that anyone that you are buying your local goods and services, your fucking local butcher, your your gardener, if you're getting your seeds from somewhere, you know, your local teacher, or, or this and that, whatever you need to do to subsist in life, you know, timber and hardware and this and that. You build those networks now and you get them on Bitcoin and you guys can trade directly. When sure. the government does crack down on this shit, those people who spent all their time trading up shit coins and have a dollar balance or have a shit coin balance or have even a Bitcoin balance with a custodian, all of they're all fucked. Yeah. Those of us who've actually built networks and we operate on the Bitcoin network between each other, 
no one's going to know shit. No one can stop shit. No one can take shit. We're going to be the ones who are robust. And as that whole fucking edifice falls apart, we end up inheriting wealth. And and something like uh, one of these uh, coin join things, you're you're confident that because you hear that the government has built software that can trace Bitcoin and where it goes and all the exchanges, you're confident it gets it gets lost in there. Totally. Like the 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 funny thing about um, so so like what you're talking about there is um chainalysis. Now it's actually not the government that built that. That's like private companies that built that. You know, again, classic morons who um you know want to treat Bitcoin as a like or, or they want to treat all cryptocurrencies basically as a as a means for creating you know control, right? Um, but this is what this is again like the cypherpunk ethos is that cypherpunks wrote write code for freedom and big fuck you to the chain analysis companies. You know, we've built products that are open source that circumvent them. And what happens is chain analysis is largely also just basically fucking heuristics. Like once you get two, three, four hops out in terms of Bitcoin, you know, wallet transactions, it's basically impossible. Like the the multitude of potential um, owners of a particular address, the more hops it gets out becomes almost infinite. So once you're six hops out, basically it's impossible for them to um, uh, tie anything to anyone. And CoinJoin just throws a fucking spanner in that because what it does is it like each CoinJoin round takes a hundred people's uh, UTXOs blends them together and then spits them out as 0.01 Bitcoin for everybody across multiple addresses. It's fucking beautiful. Like they can't do shit. Um, so wow. every time they like, they make a move to try and track something, um, you know, people who coin join. And here's another thing. The more people who coin join, the more every coin on the planet gets mixed up. <laughs> and then sure. the harder it is for them to associate anything to anyone. And it fucks them up even further. But, but again, like this That's is where I, I learned like, something that makes me that makes me feel uh, a little more safe in in what I have. I'm going to do that as soon as we get off of totally, here. Totally, man. Totally. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. All right, so you kind of you kind of end your article and you say that um, humans are going to going to bifurcate into two separate species. We're going to become Homo hystericus and Homo bitcoinus, and I know that's kind of tongue in cheek, um, but what what exactly do you mean? Because it seems to me like the world is already like homo hystericus is people who just like they're the conformists. They they freak mm-hmm. out about everything. And homo bitcoinus is is the independent leaders and and the thinkers. Seems like we're already there. So what what are you saying by we're going to get there? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? It's it's just gonna. Uh, happen to a large degree and it's going to happen monetarily as well. So homo hystericus is going to be basically everyone that is holding uh, Ethereum government coin or whatever it's going to be called, you know, panopticoin is the the term that I give it. Um, and, you know, homo bitcoinicus, everyone is going to be holding Bitcoin because they're fundamentally free. Like, you know, p- people talk about free speech and the way I kind of like to phrase it is that the only free speech that matters is free action. Like, I don't care what you say, show me your bank account and I'll tell you what you believe. Um, and where we where we expend the product of our labor, which is another word for money, is a representation of what we believe. Now, if I can tell you where you can spend the product of your labor, I control you. And that's effectively, you know, what will be the line that separates people is that those who hold Bitcoin can and will expend the product of the labor on that which they choose those who do not are going to spend and utilize the product of their labor in um, accordance with that which that which they've been told. Um, and you know, 
I mean, it's already happening in China. Um, you know, it's early days when CBDCs get rolled out, like, you know, that big fat guy from the Bank of International Settlements, um, if, if you've seen him. Um, do, do you know which one I'm talking about? No. Mm-hmm. Jesus, they, they call him the last big boss of Bitcoin. But so the, the Bank of International Settlements actually sits behind the IMF and the World Bank, right? So it's like okay. the, the big, big, big bank that very mm-hmm. few people talk about. And the, the head of that is this like big fat fucker who looks like Jabba the Hutt. Um, and... You know, they, they, um, they, there's a clip of him uh, online talking about, like, you know, the revolutionary potential of CBDCs. It's like, we will be able to, um, if we need to stimulate spending, we can put expiry dates on people's money so that they are incentivized to spend it earlier and Jeez. we can stimulate the economy. They're fucking mm-hmm. excited about this shit. He's like, we can mm-hmm. track and measure um, bad behavior better and that which is illegal will be able to turn off from, um, from the central bank. And we don't have to involve law enforcement or anything like, yeah. And Terrifying. These you're people talk, you're are excited about, com- about this. No, you're talking about complete control, complete total power. And that, that gets at the essence of your article of Bitcoin versus slave slave coin. Like you're a slave at that point. You That's it. are under their, their fanciest whim, whatever they want. You got to live it. Very scary. Um, all right. We are coming up on time. Um, fascinating stuff. Um, where can people, where can they find the article? If they want to read the article, where can they follow you some more? Is there any, any other thoughts you want to leave them with? Um, yeah, so I would, um, hold on. I think someone was just calling me. So it might've like screwed the audio for a second, but yeah, pe- people can find me basically on Twitter at ghost of Svetsky. Um, but the article itself, uh, there's an episode by Glenn Beck where he reads a bunch of it. That episode is episode, um, uh, it's abolished the department of education. Um, he, he actually read that on 420. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Um, so the, he, he does a whole read of the article there. It's on zero hedge. It's on Bitcoin magazine. Um, I'll publish it on my own blog, you know, in the next couple of months. Um, but if you just type in Alex Svetsky, slave coin, freedom coin, it'll come up, um, both on zero hedge and Bitcoin magazine. So, yeah, that's um, that's where people can find that. And then, you know, I've got a whole series of stuff um, that I published with Bitcoin Magazine. I wrote like a whole series about like uh, what the world looks like beyond um, Bitcoin um, and how the idea of the nation state um, dissolves. And that, that's like a five part series called Bitcoin is not democratic. Um, and that 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 that's one to really challenge people's thinking. Um, and yeah, me and Mark Moss uh, just wrote the Uncommunist Manifesto, which um, which will be out on Amazon soon. But that's uh, we we got the domain uncommunist.com. I can't, couldn't believe it, we found it. <laughs> so uh, you can find out more about that book over there. But that's that's a short, easy read. It's one of those books that you just want to give out to everyone because, believe it or not, like the Communist Manifesto is the most widely read uh, political science book in history can't fucking believe it but it also explains why the world is so retarded today um so you know we wrote this as like a a way to counter those what i kind of call cancerous ideas so um yeah people can should should go check that out for sure all right excellent thank you so much alex i I appreciate your time it's uh i'm i'm glad there's young people like you out there who both understand all this stuff and the intricacies of it and yet aren't like most young people who are super woke and taking us totally yeah, yeah. over a cliff. Like you're, you're, you're preaching independence. You're, you're, you're preaching um, personal sovereignty and, and God, the world needs that right now. So thank you very Dude. much. And, and I hope we can talk to you again, like 
I don't know, another six months a year or so, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love that, man. And, and just, I mean, to, to that final point that you just mentioned, like you just brought a chill down my spine because I think, you know, pe- people of sort of, of my ilk, I think we still have values like you do, like old school values, but we have new school skills. And it's weird, man. Like we're just in that, in that middle area of like, you know, I understand what these, you know, the kids are doing, um, <laughs> but I still have the values of what, you know, the parents had who had to work for shit, you know, for yeah, real. Right. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying my hardest to kind of bring those two together and say, Hey, th- there's a way that these two come together. It's not yeah. just nothing fucking matters and nihilism and shit. And yeah, man. So I, I appreciate yeah, it's you. A, it's an important bridge. It. It's a necessary bridge. Yes. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Thank you. Take care.